You're listening to Podcasts with Park Rangers, a show where we bring to you stories of the national parks and historic sites from those who know them best, Park Rangers. Get to know each park ranger and their love for the parks as we discuss history, science, and the beauty of nature from a unique perspective. I'm your host, Lucas VK. Today we interview Heidi Wehner, the education specialist for Arches and Canyonlands National Parks. I love it when kids leave our field trip. I'm like, that was so awesome. This was the best field trip ever. I, lo- I feel like that's a success. Yeah, and I hear that often. Stay tuned. We'll talk about junior rangers, parks as classrooms, and how outdoor education programs help kids solidify the science they learn in school. The national parks are often acclaimed as America's greatest idea. But did you know our national parks are also America's largest classroom? Over 7 million kids go on field trips to national parks as part of the Parks as Classrooms program, a curriculum designed to meet state-approved science education standards. Research has found there are many benefits to programs like these. The kids have lower stress levels, increased self-confidence, and better comprehension of subject matter reinforced in an outdoors environment. Additionally, outdoor learning programs encourage critical thinking skills. In Moab, Utah, the local school kids have a unique chance to experience an outdoor classroom at Arches and Canyonlands National Parks. Some of the kids have never been to a national park before, but with the help of the Canyon Country Outdoor Education Program, the kids get to go to the parks on multiple field trips from first through sixth grade to learn about science, social studies, math, and reading. The sights, sounds, and smells create a different experience from that in the classroom, and group activities foster a collaborative environment amongst the students. What better way to learn about plants, animals, and ecosystems than to go out and experience them firsthand? To learn more about our national parks as classrooms, we speak with Ranger Heidi Wehner. Welcome to Arches National Park. So my name's Heidi Wehner. I am the education specialist for Arches and Canyonlands National Parks. Ranger Heidi has been involved with the park service and in outdoor education for most of her career. I started with the park service as a volunteer in 1994. Um, I've been working in outdoor ed since 98 and running the program here at Arches in Grand County since 2003. I run those, the program for the Grand County Schools and then we have a, a sister program in San Juan County um, that takes the San Juan County Elementary School kids to the Needles District of Canyonlands and Natural Bridges and Hoganweep and public lands around there. As a child growing up in Salt Lake City, Heidi often visited the parks with her family and began to foster a love for the area. I really love being in this area. I love the chance to connect kids with our local landscapes and the desert here. Um, I I love the red rocks. I love the juniper trees. In Southeast Utah, Heidi has found that being a park ranger allows her to combine two of her passions, Utah landscapes and education. I love being able to take kids out and help them develop those connections. 
Um, and the Park Service is a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to do those things. So can you tell us a little bit more? We're here at Arches National Park. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about Arches National Park? Maybe describe some of the scenery here for the listeners? Arches is, a is an area that holds the largest collection of natural arches, I believe, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, there are over 2,000 arches in the park. Oh, wow. Um, and they, are, they range in size from some of the biggest in the world to really, really small ones. Um, there's ones that are not even big enough yet to be classified technically as arches. Mm. Um, and if you go out and explore on some of the trails, you can find the big ones that are on the map and you can find other small ones as well. Okay. So it's a, it's a fun place to go explore. So you are the education specialist That's with correct. the Canyon Country Outdoor Education Program. Correct. So can you explain what you do on a daily basis? So we take our local school kids out into the park and do hands-on science activities with them. And all of our activities are designed to supplement the core curriculum that they are learning in school. Um, we often tell folks we're teaching the same things that kids in Salt Lake City get to learn out of a book, mm -hmm. but we get to do it in this really fun, hands-on, experiential way. At the same time, we're able to connect kids to their local landscapes. Uh, we don't just take kids into arches. Um, we go to a variety of public and private lands in the Moab area. Um, last week, we were in an area called Culvert Canyon, and we were third graders have to learn about simple machines and force in motion, which is in the state core curriculum. So they end in their social studies curriculum, they learn about people in the you know, ancient cultures. So we talk about primitive machines and primitive technologies and how the ancient people use simple machines right. in order to make their lives easier. So we had them throwing out ladles. We had them, uh, we talked about how a fire bow is a wheel and axle and how that's so much easier to make a fire with a fire bow as opposed to like a hand drill method. And we made fire with them and they thought that was pretty cool. That's that um, pretty cool. We talk about uh, digging sticks um, and how the ancient folks were not just hunters or gatherers, but they were also farmers um, and how digging sticks are a lever and how that helps them, you know, help them get all the food that they needed for their communities. We talked about how atlatls are a lever. Using the atl, you know, we kind of show them how using the lever allows them to get more force for putting in the same amount of effort. Now an atlatl, I think I'm familiar, I believe we actually visited a park and got to throw some. Oh, cool. Um, but for listeners who may not be as familiar. Um, it is a, I think the easiest way to describe it is a spear thrower. Right. Um, the atlatl dart is skinnier than a spear, more like an arrow, uh, like an arrow but longer. And so the atlatl, the atlatl itself is a wooden thing that you hold that basically increases the length of your, your arm lever. So you, you throw it and you use it to throw the atlatl and you can actually throw them. Um, well, I've heard they can pierce a car door. I have not. I haven't tested that. I have not tested that. <laughs> but there's a lot of force involved. Exactly. We have a big cardboard with a big one sheep drawn on it that the kids throw towards. Oh, cool. Um, that the, you know, they're pretending to hunt for their dinner. Right. That, that sounds like a lot of fun and a good way to get the, as you mentioned, the science 
and the social studies integrated in a mm -hmm. very sort of hands-on way. Yeah, exactly. We try to integrate all the different subjects. We focus on science, mm -hmm. but we try to integrate math and reading. Like with our fire station, we, we read a story to them and then use the information in that story to, to talk about the how ancient folks made fire. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, talking about what a legend is, reminding them what a legend is as opposed to what a nonfiction book is, which is something they learn in early elementary school. Yeah. Um, in fourth grade, we're going to be teaching about um, animal adaptations, hmm. and we do a whole math section on how many calories geese need to migrate, huh. and trying to compare that to um, how much a fourth grader would have to eat. So we go through fourth grade level math under the guise of talking about migration. Right. With these programs, what ages do you generally work with? We work, we take first through sixth grade kids on field trips. Okay. We do a program with kindergartners introducing what is a park ranger. A park ranger is a safe person to talk to. Um, and, you know, when you see us in the hall, we're, we're teacher park rangers. Um, but there are, um, but we don't take kindergartners on field trips. Okay. Save that until first grade. So does the program vary within that range depending on what age the kids are for these so field trips? First graders get one field trip a year. Okay. Uh, second and third graders get two field trips a year. And fourth, fifth, and sixth graders get three field trips a year. We go into the classroom before each field trip and do a pre-trip visit where we introduce the topic we're going to be teaching. It's our chance to do an informal formative assessment on the kids to, to kind of gauge, you know, are they familiar with this topic? Um, are they, you know, is it brand new to them? Some teachers use our field trips as the introduction to their science activity. Some teachers use our field trips as the culminating activity for their science units. So we are prepared for both. Right. Um, and sometimes it varies from year to year, okay. um, depending on what's going on in those particular classrooms. And then the kids come out on the field trip and then we go back into the classrooms afterwards and do another half hour, 45 minute presentation that ties the activity together is our chance to do a kind of an informal summative assessment activity with them as well. Um, for example, today I have staff members in the third grade doing post-trip visits for the kids who just came on their field trip last week and earlier this week. And I also have staff members in the fourth grade doing pre-trip activities for the kids who are coming on the field trip next week. In general, the kids that you are bringing on these field trips, have many of them been to a national park before or is this often a first time for them? A lot of times, the only time the kids come to our local national parks is on our field trips. Really? I regularly, I, you know, I say, who's ever been here before? You have one or two kids raise their hands. Um, and I think there's a couple different reasons for that. I think the biggest one is we have a really high poverty rate in our community. Mm. We have a lot of people working two, three jobs you know, trying to make ends meet in our community. Um, we have, there's housing crisis. There's, um, there's a whole number of factors that go into that. Um, but we have a lot of families working really, really hard. Sure. And um, I, I personally think that if you're, you know, working in this, you know, if you're a server serving in a restaurant, 
60 hours a week on your one day off, mm -hmm. you're probably going to want to do the laundry and go to your kid's baseball game and go to the grocery store as opposed to going for a hike with all the with all the visitors. Sure. You know, a lot of our locals do connect with public lands, but they don't necessarily come to arches. You know, a lot of them, they might go on a Jeep ride. Mm -hmm. They might go um, on the river. They might, you know, go out, you know, they might go hunting in the mountains. Um, so they get out a lot, sure. but they don't necessarily come into arches. Okay. So, you know, regularly, I find that the only time kids come into the park is on our field trips. It's great to, to have that outlet. Of course, a lot of these families and the kids are living within this landscape as it is mm -hmm. and, and enjoying it in, in their own ways when they have the time. Mm -hmm. And I love that we can, we can create these memories for kids. Mm -hmm. Like I have 20-somethings, because I've been doing this for a long time. I have people who have grown up here, come, you know, gone away, come back, and they see me at the grocery store. And it's like, Ranger Heidi, do you remember when we did this, this, and this? I had one kid one time, he was working at a lifeguard at the pool, and I was there with my kids. And he said... We were, do you guys remember when we went in second grade to that canyon and we went on that big long hike and we tried to find this place and it was the most awesome place? Well, me and my buddies tried to find that same place and we couldn't find it. Where is it? And I was thinking, how amazing that this was such a positive memory to these kids that they want to go back as teenagers, you know, older teenagers and find that same place and re-experience that. Um, turned out we had gone to Courthouse Wash. It was about a 15 minute hike. Um, but for a second grader, that feels epic. Um, you know, and I told him where it was and he was all excited about it. So I feel like I can, you know, this program creates that connection for people that they care about our part even though they might not be coming with their families. That's great. So obviously you are reinforcing the curriculum. You're also mm -hmm. creating connections mm -hmm. that last decades and then they, they return here. I wondered if you could share the reaction of some of these kids that they, they have when coming from the classroom for the first time uh, for their first and perhaps one of their, their few visits to the parks. I love it when kids leave our field trip. I'm like, that was so awesome. This was the best field trip ever. I, I feel like that's a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I hear that often, you know. And, and then when I see them in high school and they say, you know, oh, Ranger Heidi, do you remember when? I feel like, oh, we succeeded because we, you know, I've created that connection. You know, I just, Last week, um, one of my neighbors came on a field trip with her granddaughter, mm. and she—I ran into her, you know, in the you know on the street after the field trip, and she went on and on about what a great job we do, how we're teaching the right kinds of things to our to the kids, how we're um, getting them out there and exposing them to things and teaching them how to be in the outdoors, and that to me was really gratifying because, you know, this particular person, you know, is generations in Moab. And um, it told me we are supporting the local community in the ways they want to be supported. Yeah, that had to be great to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very validating for uh, a, a long-term 
mm -hmm. effort. Mm -hmm. One of the ways for kids to connect when they're here is to do this Junior Ranger booklet. Um, and we just recently redesigned our Junior Ranger program, and I think it turned out really cool. Um, kids have to do a certain, it's, it's like a little workbook that the kids do a variety of activities. Um, and they then bring the workbook back to the visitor center before they leave. And they get to, um, they do an activity with the ranger there. And then um, the ranger goes through their booklet and swears them in as an official junior ranger for the park. And I know when my kids were small, it was a way for us to learn about the park in a, in a age appropriate way. You know, so we always did the junior ranger programs when my kids were small. Um, I remember one trip we did and when my younger son was like five and he insisted on wearing all his junior ranger badges throughout the, like, so he got back, you know, we got back and he had, he was like one big, huge junior ranger badge clinking around on all the parks. Um, but you see things similar to that when the kids come in. And I think it's a really great way to kind of focus the kids on a goal while they're here. I know that a lot of kids, they need, you know, they don't want to just learn for learning's sake when they're on vacation. But if they're learning to do, you know, if they're trying to earn something that makes it more fun. Incentivizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would encourage any family with kids to ask for the Junior Ranger program when they come into a national park, any national park. Mm -hmm. And work through it with their work through the book with their kids, right. you know. And some and they're all designed so that little kids, you know, kindergartners, first graders, they only have to do a certain number of activities. And these booklets are different depending on what park you go to, but pretty much all parks do have a junior ranger program. Right. Yeah. Every park has their own. Mm -hmm. Why is it important that that these parks do have a junior ranger program? Well. Your average six-year-old is not going to want to sit and listen to a half-hour slideshow on plants of the park. Right. You know, kids learn in a very different way than adults do. And so Junior Ranger Program is a way for kids to learn in a way that, they, that suits them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, like I said, it's a way for folks to, um, it's a way to give the learning a goal. You know, a lot of kids need, you know, need some sort of incentive or they need some sort of goal to get to. Um, so like even if you're going for a hike, if you say we're going to hike to an arch, um, they're more more likely to do a mile and a half to an arch than they are just to go for a mile and a half hike. Mm -hmm. you know, so having some sort of goal, even if it's we're going to hike to a rock that looks like Elvis Presley. And then they say, who's Elvis Presley? <laughs> but, you know, they, um, you know, they, they need that, that goal to, to have. So Junior Ranger is a, way, is, a, is a way to focus their attention on that goal. Mm -hmm. Focused attention, focused energy, because mm -hmm. obviously these kids come, come to the parks with a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So you talked about a few of the programs that have gotten kids really enthused that, that I think are, are pretty cool. <laughs> um, is there anything that the kids, that you've seen the kids get particularly excited to learn? One of the things we do is we take the kids through the fiery furnace hmm. um, in third grade, in the fall of third grade. The fiery furnace. And the fiery furnace is an area in Arches that is a, 
it's kind of like a maze of rocks. It's an area where there's all sorts of these sandstone fins right next to each other that you can go through. And the hike itself requires a lot of using your hands, you know, sliding on your bum, doing... Um, scrambling. Scram rock scrambling over ledges, crawling through rocks and over rocks. Um, and for third graders, it's a huge physical challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and we encourage the third graders to work together so it becomes a great bonding experience for them. They're helping each other through these over the rocks and under the rocks and through the rocks. And um, along the way, they learn about local or they learn about living and non-living interactions in the ecosystem through various teaching stations. Mm -hmm. But when you go back in high school and you ask them what were your favorite field trips, the fiery furnace is always one that comes comes up. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, a good memory for them. We do a field trip in sixth grade where we go up Courthouse Wash, which is a canyon system here at Arches. Um, and we do sixth graders, um, we talk about heat, light, and sound. We do science experiments with them. So they compare, uh, we use these little temperature thing, temperature gun things, which like you aim it at, you aim it at the rock, you aim it at anything, it tells you what the temperature is. And they do studies to figure out which things are absorbing the most heat and holding the most heat. Um, and then, you know, and predict and compare and study. Um, we do uh, inquiry-based activity with sunscreen where they see how different sunscreens work with that one. So it's much more science-based. Yeah. Uh, whereas our first grade field trip, we go to an, a campground called Moonflower Canyon. We study how plants and animals change over the course of their life cycles. So we talk about butterflies and we talk about life cycles of a plant mm -hmm. and we talk about frogs. You know, we, we read a poem and the kids get to pretend to grow as a frog and go through all the metamorphosis. And we have a puppet of a frog that talks to them okay. about how frogs change in their lifetimes. The butterfly station, we read uh, we read the Very Hungry Caterpillar book by mm -hmm. Eric Carle, mm -hmm. which they have all read before. But this time we're actually focused on the life cycles that the Very Hungry Caterpillar is going through and all the jobs that it's doing, which is a perspective on that story that they've never heard before. Mm -hmm. um, we have another story we read um, when we're talking about plant life cycles and, and the seasons of the year. Um, and so we're enforcing early literacy by reading these stories with, with kids while at the same time they're learning science. Yeah. We also try to provide time for just some unstructured outdoor playtime. Um, there's a lot of value in just unstructured time in the outdoors. So letting the kids dig in the sand for, you know, 10 minutes after lunchtime or mm -hmm. after snack time is, is a really cool thing. A lot of kids haven't done that before. Mm -hmm. And Moonflower Canyon is an area where... There's no soil crust because it flash floods regularly. Oh, so okay. we can just let the kids dig in the sand. Okay. Um, one of my favorite places to tell families to go is Sand Dune Arch here. Mm. It's a short hike in between uh, two fins with it's just a big, huge sand dune. And they can see this, you know, they can see the arch, but mostly they can run around and play in the sand. Mm. Um, and a lot of areas in our park have this stuff called biological soil crust. Right. And it is a, it's a really fragile community of microorganisms, cyanobacteria, mosses and lichens, and, and 
stuff that um, holds the sand in place. And it's very fragile so that if you step on it, it breaks up all the little fibers of, of cyanobacteria so that the sand can blow away. Um, and it takes a very, very long time to grow back. Yeah, I've heard decades to repair. Yeah, what I tell kids is if they step on biological soil crust, they will probably be grandparents before it's back to doing all its jobs. Mm. It starts growing right away. Starts growing, and sometimes you can't even see it. Like the crust is the same color as the sand. Um, it doesn't get its lumpy, bumpy texture for a number of years. Um, but it takes decades for it to be able to start doing all of its jobs, primarily the fixing nitrogen um, that it does. And it is kind of the basis for the ecosystem out here. So um, trying to, you know, so if you can, so people can walk wherever they want on rock. They can walk in wash bottoms where there's no um, crypto growing. Um, so trying to find, you know, sand dune arch is a great place because it's, you know, there is no crypto growing there. It's a great place for kids to just be able to run around and be kids. It is a wash bottom mm -hmm. then? Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's water flowing through naturally that... Yeah, yeah, regularly. And that's why we take our first graders to Moonflower Canyon, mm -hmm. you know, because there it is a big wash. It gets flash flooded. There's no crypto growing. They can dig in the sand and run around and be kids. Right. Um, same thing with our sec one of our second grade field trips is... In, a, in courthouse wash, in upper courthouse wash, again, in the bottom of the wash where there's no, they can just run around and be kids. Mm -hmm. So Spending a day at the beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I point out to them that this is a place that they can come back with their families and go for a picnic. Mm. I talk about how when my kids were little, we used to come out here with, for a picnic and, and the kids used to just run around and play. You know, so I try to point out that all the places we go are places that they can come back with their families. And you found that a lot of people do come back, whether it be with families or with mm -hmm. buddies later in, in mm -hmm. college. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, my own son at age like 16 and a half, right after he was driving, um, told me he wanted to come up and do a moonlight hike to Delicate Arch. Mm. This was several years ago. And I was a little panicked that, you know, my, I'm letting my baby go out and hike in, in you know, the Delicate Arch in the dark. And, you know, and, and pe lots of people do, you know, full moon hikes to Delicate Arch in the middle of the summer. Um, but it turned out half the basketball team wanted to go with him. Oh. <laughs> so they all went up to Delicate Arch, and a lot of them had not been there since they were on our fourth grade field trip. But they were all so excited to find out that, you know, Tobin was going to Delicate Arch. They should go with him. Um, and they, you know, it turned out to be quite the, quite the group, apparently. Yeah. Team building exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've talked about why why you feel it's important to get kids outside. Mm -hmm. They're building connections. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important to teach them learning through experience in your... I feel like we allow, we provide a supplement for the classroom teachers. We have an excellent elementary school here and our charter school does an amazing job as well. Yeah. Um, but sometimes hearing something taught in a little bit different way can help the concept click in kids' minds, or doing, or, or doing something through experience can help a concept click sometimes in kids' minds where it didn't in the activities that they were doing in school. Um, so I think 
I think some people who haven't been in school for a long time picture elementary school as like sitting in a desk and writing. And it's really not that way anymore. Kids are up doing things all the time. There's all sorts of activities going on. They're using all sorts of learning modalities to, to, to learn, not just reading and writing skills. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't want it to come across that like we're the only experiential learning that these kids have. Right. But we are an addition to what the kids are doing. And you can sometimes see the kids like when they get it, their eyes light up and it's like the concept clicks in their mind. And I just, I love that their whole face lights up um, and you can really see that that it made a difference. So I really appreciate being able to supplement what our teachers are doing in our school um, and helping some of those kids get some of these concepts that they may or may not have otherwise. Right. Yeah. A lot is done nowadays in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, but um, but it's it's nice to get them out of that classroom. Uh -huh. as well. Yeah, and like, I said, and we get a chance to get kids, you know, to get them out learning, um, get them into new places. Mm -hmm. You know, some, some kids that may not do well in four walls do much better when they're outside. Mm -hmm. They can just focus better. So what is one of your favorite things to teach these kids about? Oh, what is my favorite things to teach these kids? <laughs> there is a, a lesson we do in third grade on predator-prey relationships where we um, use a, a puppet that I particularly enjoy and uh, we read a story and then we play this tag game that illustrates the concepts of, of a balanced ecosystem and how a balanced ecosystem means lots of prey and just a couple of predators. And by playing this, this game, this kind of tag-like game, it really brings the concept home to them. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy that one. Um, what else do I enjoy teaching? There's not really any I don't enjoy. And I think one of the coolest things about my job is that every two weeks we're doing a completely different thing, you know, with a completely different age group, a completely different concept. Mm -hmm. um, so we're always changing and we come back to the same lessons year after year after year, but at the same, but they're always new. We're always working with different kids. Um, I feel like every two weeks is a brand new job. Now you said even a lot of these formats, though they may be similar, you're reaching the kids at different points in their education as well. Like yeah, and you I may to... be the introduction to a concept. Mm -hmm. And I get to watch these kids grow up, which is, mm -hmm. you know, there's not many places in the park service where you have um, an education program dedicated to their gateway community the way we are. Um, and I really enjoy watching, you know, I meet these kids in kindergarten and I see them in first grade and second grade and third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. And then when they're, you know, and then I see them around town in high school and, and I just, I really enjoy that. You know, I, I enjoy watching them go off and do really amazing things. I feel like they're all my kids. <laughs> Why is it important to you to be involved in the education of our youth? You said these are all your kids in a sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like kids are our future mm -hmm. and um, I want to help set all these kids up for success in as many ways as possible. And I 
I want to be able to give back to these kids, you know, and and help them grow into being beautiful, wonderful people, citizens. I just I want to be able to contribute to creating um, good people. Yeah, sounds like you've you've done quite a bit to make sure that happens, especially within this community. I try. Why in particular do you enjoy being at the Canyon Country Parks and bringing these parks to a new generation? Well, I think, you know, this goes back to what I was saying about how I grew up coming down here. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Mm -hmm. um, coming down here with my family all the time. And then I would come down with my friends when I was in college um, and really enjoyed, I don't know, there's something about this landscape that I just, I really touches me. Um, I, I love being in Red Rocks. Um, I started off at the University of Utah and then went to Cal- California to finish my undergraduate degree. And the whole time I was there, I missed Southern Utah. Like I saw, um, like I would see a commercial that was filmed here. And I'd be like, home. <laughs> and every, all my roommates would laugh at me. Um, but I moved back here three days after graduation. I was back here in Southern Utah. Um, and I've never left. Sounds like it's, this land is very important to you. Mm-hmm. You did address that some of the kids come back to 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 say hi. Uh-huh. Uh, what are what are the things that seem to stick with them when you when you see them again? You know what they they don't remember specifically what they learned on our field trip. No. You know they don't remember specifically where they went, but they remember that positive experience of being on a field trip. Mm-hmm. a positive memory of being in the park. And to me, that's that's the great goal, you know, having them remember, you know, have that positive memory of, of a park ranger. You know, park rangers are not scary people. We're, you know, we're out there doing fun things with people, you know, we care about the community. Um, and they, uh, we, I actually have parents now who have been on these field trips, some with me. Um, and they they talk about how much they enjoyed being on the field trip when they were kids, you know, and so they were so excited for their kids to come on the field trip, same, same similar field trips, mm-hmm. um, and, and be able to learn outside. They really are just passing that down through, mm-hmm. the, through the generations. Mm-hmm. Oh. What's special about being in this position to you, uh, what brings you back to work every day? The kids. Yeah. It really is the the connections with our local kids. Um, seeing the kids, you know, when it, when kids says hi to me at the grocery store, you know, that makes me smile. Um, you know, seeing the kids, you know, that when they leave the field trip and they're like, "That was the best field trip ever." Mm-hmm. That just really, that's what keeps me coming to work every day. So what's the importance of the national park system to you? And why do you feel it's, it's important to preserve it? Um, the national parks allow us to preserve landscapes um, and create places for people to connect with nature. Right. You know, I think about um, 
well, for example, my older son just went away to college and he's in the midst of a big, huge city going to school. Um, and he came home for spring break and went backpacking and we went on several big hikes at Arches. Um, and when he left, he said, oh, now I have to go back to the city. You know, it's coming to these places as allows people to decompress. It allows people to um, connect again with something that's kind of deep inside that they might not otherwise connect with. Um, and I think it's important that we continue to set these places aside so that, you know, as everybody, as our world gets bigger and busier, um, that people have that a place to go to where they can turn off their phones and um, just sit and listen to quiet for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, I notice that even like in my, you know, I live in Moab and I work at Arches, but I go through several weeks where I'm doing, you know, I'm running around like a crazy person all the time, you know, and mm -hmm. taking my kids here and there and, and, you know, doing all sorts of, you know, all the things that people do. Um, and, you know, and then I'm on, you know, Saturday weekend comes around and I'm able to go for a hike and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm able to go for a bike ride. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is why I'm here. This is what I need. The Canyon Country Outdoor Education Program aims to prepare the younger generation for their future roles as decision makers and voters. By building skills like critical thinking, we're setting children up to have a better understanding of the world around them. Programs like these encourage lifelong learning, and students may continue to visit the national parks on their own with family and friends, creating a respect for the outdoors in the younger generation. If you enjoyed what you heard, review us on iTunes or Android to help us improve the show. And to help keep this show on the road and receive bonus content, check out our Patreon page via the show notes in the description or visit podcastswithparkrangers.com. Stay with us through the final minutes for a short preview of our next episode. We like to highlight on our show ways that a typical park visitor can give back to their national parks. All of our public lands are in search of volunteers. Whether it's with the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Forest Service, or the National Park Service, which includes Arches National Park, there's probably a volunteer opportunity in your area. Find more information by visiting volunteer.gov. Even though we interview park rangers, we are not affiliated with the National Park Service, and any views expressed are not necessarily those of the Park Service. We're just fans of the national parks, like you. Coming up in Episode 6 of Podcasts with Park Rangers, we journey to Colorado to visit the tallest sand dunes in North America. Join us as we discuss elk and bison management, a unique seasonal creek with rolling waves and the singing sands of Alamosa at Great Sand Dunes National Park. <laughs>